Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. It is going to be a gorgeous day today, and here is why. Today, put your energy into things that matter to you. Right now, this little intro matters to me, and I want to have some fun, a little bit of a carnival. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the most electric, the most energized podcast in the world. Things like that, folks. Put energy into things that matter to you. Now let's get this party started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. And we are putting together another time machine edition here. Threes. What are we at now? We're on Tuesday's show. Yeah, but it's actually it's Wednesday. Wednesday. Because we're just, it's the... Moving so fast, man. The hangover mm. from last week. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? The, the, you had five out-of-town jobs. Yeah. I had four meetings in two days out of town, so I traveled two days. Doesn't take much to stagger us, man. Plus, we have kids. Yeah. Distance learning. Mm-hmm. You've got Frackleberry as well, and she's like six kids. She's worse than kids. Yeah. And your wife now, Starbucks, mm-hmm. no longer can call her Starbucks. No, no. She's going to be moving on. Holy Big changes, smokes. man. Right. But yeah. I hear she's going to another... Uh, "Quote unquote liberal establishment, a higher institution." <laughs> is that what we call these? Are we to the point now where businesses are just red and blue? It's just going to be a money changer in the temple, man. Oil Come on. and gas, red. Wind, blue. Right? right? Isn't that how we're looking at life now? I think because it's so we, easy. We see through colors, Mrs. Chang. Right. We don't see through race anymore. We just see colors. Well, I love the idea now that we're the weird pushback between uh, you know corporations shouldn't have any kind of political views versus they should. You know, and it seems like, well, obviously it's who it's dependent on is, you know, is it is it the National Football League pissing off somebody or is it the uh, Baseball League pissing off somebody or is it Coke pissing off somebody? Yeah, it's weird. Well, that's, the football is a great example, actually, because mm-hmm. this is what happened to oil and gas. Ex- exactly. Is that when you allow the politicians be, to become your public relations mm-hmm. piece, which they do. Yeah. They do. They allow them to speak on their behalf. Yeah. But then they don't stop rolling. No. Then they start talking about gun control, <laughs> and then they start talking about right-to-life issues. And then pretty soon your fossil fuel, petroleum, wind, energy, oil, and gas debate gets thrown in yeah. with... Puppies and babies, and, and they're guns just like, uh, and, we just want to play football, or we would just like to do gas and oil, so please. The NFL gets into this, yeah. right? And then it spills into, you know, sports shouting on ESPN, and all of a sudden, sports shouting is politics. It's just another platform. And pretty soon, if you go to the Washington Redskins game, you're a racist Republican, right? <laughs> Isn't that the way? Well, because you stood during the national anthem, so you'd, you're a Republican. Well, yeah. And if you go to a Redskins game or a UN fighting Sioux game, you're a racist. Hey, I stand for the national anthem. I'm an so, independent. Poor kids these days. I mean, seriously, if I was a junior high kid like my son, mm-hmm. that would be, that would be a hard time growing up right now. I think one of the problems we're facing right now is that there's more nuance and things are more complicated. 
but our brains, our reptilian brains are wired to like, yes, no, black, white, right? Sure. We want easy answers. Well, that's survival. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that reptilian brain is survival, mm-hmm. right? That's the f- fight, fight or flight. I will attest that in my house, that's totally the way I operate. I would much rather low conflict. Everybody's happy. I hate the drama. You know, I just want ease. That's the swan brain. I guess. I don't that's know. not the reptilian brain. The reptilian brain eats you. I'm guessing the, that's I, the, that's a sting. Swan is too nice. I'm guessing it's, it's more the, like a the badger, love, right? The love. Yeah, but it's Man, more of a lazy. Are pretty aggressive. Well, okay. I'm thinking something that's like, oh, like sloth. Yeah. I'm thinking something that's short, <laughs> plump, furry, and slow. That sounds like my speed. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's a sloth. Yep. Possibly a possum. Hey, they are deliberate. Sloths are, man. I'm all about the sloth. They totally. got life figured out. Yep. Just grew that really long nail to hang out. Oh, man. I'm trying to make one of those, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> right. How many superheroes are based on other things, right? Could you imagine got... that's your superpower? Where's Sloth? Oh, he'll be here. There was one guy who had that. Really? Uh, the hooks? Yeah, he had a couple big, long, uh, kind of one Wolverine claw that kind of came out of right. his. That uh, was the evil version of Wolverine. Ooh, yeah. And he was green, I believe. Anyway, so that was back in my comic book reading. Was it about one year of my life? Right. You know, okay. like fourth grade or something like that. Yeah. Well, folks, this is the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. And, you know, this is our catch-up edition here, you know, where we're kind of talking about things that we've got on the cutting room floor. We're getting caught up because we're still doing the Work Hard interviews. We've been doing those like crazy. And, uh, in fact, I had to postpone two this morning. had to push them off to another time. So, Dean Bankson... Research scientist at NDSU talking about the new uh, Bakken study pushed him to tomorrow. And then uh, the reporter as well for the Dickinson Repa- uh, Press. Well, we've missed each other two times because he works in the media and I work in oil and gas. <laughs> so good. Lo- well, sometime next month, we'll get that right. interview. Little phone tag. And we get the ba- bad phone call in here and, uh, you know, all kinds of activity. About your extended car warranty. Possibly. That might be the car company calling, <laughs> trying to collect. The okay. repo man. Right? So, oh, I don't must, think... Must I don't be think a they... telemarketer. That's not a bill collector. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's just, ever done that. I just but. block those, man. Just block them. So I have down in my notes here, by the way, because normally I'm going to let you choose. But... I but hear a today... But well, you know, we got the... Uh, we got the Bach and Barbecue coming up in June, right? That's just around the corner. And so... I'm halfway done with the press release that was supposed to be due this morning. And, well, because the big announcement, we're having potatoes, right? What? Yeah. Wait, what? Well, by the time this airs, it'll be old news. So <sighs> I we're can't believe I didn't see this coming. The spectacular uh, announcement. I hear it now. Oh, you see? You I like how cla- hear, See? Yep. Nobody caught that. Dude. Nobody caught that. You're you like know? a ninja with words. Butter be there. Nobody <laughs> caught that. Have my eyes on it. Oh, yeah, man. Right? It's like watching Hemingway, right? The potato puns are just fabulous, aren't they? <laughs> so next, the big announcement is, is these are potatoes of inclusion. The lowly potato, the humble potato. The humble, yeah. But very versatile. All but two vitamins you get out of the potato. Vitamin A and D is the only ones it's missing, I do believe. Save that guy on Mars, remember? Well, and if you go back in the history of time... The potato has been the savior in almost every single culture because 
It's easy to grow. It grows underground, so therefore you can kind of, you know. High calorie content. The high calorie, the starch, the starch. and like I said, it's all but two nutrients. Mm-hmm. So you add a little dairy, you're done. Kaboom. You got, you're done. You In add, fact, yeah. wasn't it the potato famine that, that drove the large Irish immigration into this country back in the there day? There is a word called potato famine, mm-hmm. but I am not 100% sure what it means. Is it the potatoes caused the famine or that's all they ate during the famine? That's what I thought it was my whole life. See, I've never actually retained that knowledge. So I wonder if there, if only there was some way, some way that we could get instant knowledge. I'll tell you what, let's take a trip to the library. Should, should we find out? <laughs> Dewey Decimal System. Dewey Decimal System. Boom. Periodic table, maybe, if we can pull one of those. Remember the big ones? Yeah, and that one just aged us more than anything else we've said today. Periodic table? And Dewey De- Decimal System. Microfish. Fish. 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 Why is it called fish? It must be the name of the guy that made it. Microfish. Okay, like, so I used to actually like researching on microfish. Oh, <laughs> and then you try to time the date. Okay, I'm looking back on April 26th, 1942 now. I always felt like a, an investigative reporter. In your own you little know? time machine, too. Absolutely. You're yeah. like Bill and Ted's. It was like a, well, it was basically like a slide projector. Do, do you know what the potato famine was? Great famine. Great famine is what it's called. The great hunger or the famine, mostly within Ireland or the Irish potato famine, was a period of mass starvation and disease in Ireland from 1845 to 1852. The most severely affected areas in the west and south of Ireland. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, during the Great Hunger, about one million people died and more than a million fled the country. Causing Sorry. The- I was wow. texting someone while you were talking. What was... So, what, was it they ate potatoes or... I'm st- let's see. So, it was a potato blight. So, they were so used to eating potatoes... Mm-hmm. That some sort of uh, famine happened, like some sort of blight. Okay. Apparently, it caused. A blight is a disease. Yeah, a blight yeah. is a disease yeah. to it's, the it's plant. It's not just like a, you know, blight of the b- bumblebee. You like that? <laughs> that was nice. It's not just an opera. <laughs> Apparently, it caused about 100,000 deaths outside of Ireland and fueled unrest, which Excuse caused me. the European Revolution of 1848. Excuse me. Symphony. Symphony. I believe Flight of the Bumblebee is a symphony, not an opera. So I do want to make sure that the three people listening out there with class. They, symphony of Destruction? They, they stand corrected with me, I'm sure. I, you don't believe the emails I'm going to get on Flight of the Bumblebee. I'm pretty sure that is a symphony, not I an really opera. I really want to get the trolling on that one. Yeah, so it looks like it was bad potatoes, man. So bad potatoes. Bad potatoes. That sounds like an excuse <laughs> you give your parents after you got busted for drinking the night That's before. Just bad potatoes, Dad. Some bad pizza I had, Dad. <laughs> Some bad potatoes. Bad potatoes. Speaking of potatoes, this actually feeds into my list, what we're going to talk about today. This is what I wrote down last week. Are you ready? This, okay. is, this is on the cutting room floor. Okay. At a, at a okay. moment where this you were is, lucid. Is, speaking of guns, we better lock the guns around here. <laughs> it's like a here. dream journal. It's like a torn page with coffee stains and crosses out. That's and, why it's on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Li- literally on the floor. <laughs> Need a vacay. My Libra mind is overdrive, but ready to short circuit, it says. That, that means, you know, because the way my Libra mind works, bing bong, bing back bong. and forth. You got metal ping pong back yep. and forth until something becomes vapor. After it becomes vapor, you then make the action. So even though you walk into the store with the full intention of buying the candy bar, Mm -hmm. for a split second, you think, what if I steal this candy bar? 
Wow, really? That doesn't mean you're going to do it, though. You're just examining possible outcomes. In the same way that you examine, you walk up to somebody and you eye them out like, okay, that guy can kick my ass. Mm-hmm. Or, that'll be a fair fight. I better go for the hair, right? right. Everyone in, you, you got a split second, you size them up with that reptilian brain. You're looking at me like I'm the only person that does this. I know there are other people out there that do this too. <laughs> I'm actually still thinking about the candy bar because there you made a moral decision yeah, to not steal it. Right. Yeah. Well, we do it every day. Absolutely. Every single day we make these mm-hmm. moral decisions. You know, and it's funny because with the candy bar thing, it's like... Do we not live in a world of rules and society? Yeah. Anyways. But I mean, like, it'd probably be pretty easy in your mind to justify... Stealing a candy bar, right? 50 cents, a buck, yeah. or something like that, right? It's not, a, it's, you know, but what, we still don't do it. Well, to me, it was quite simple. It's how much is your character worth? Exactly. Seven figures for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. up. Seven figures, I yeah. might steal. But you'll take installment plans. Six figures, I don't want to run from the law that much, you know? Yeah. It's, it's you know, you got to be. If, That's if why I'd never work in the if mafia. If it's enough to buy my own island, I'll do it. Yeah, I, I can get away then. Well, today's day and age is hard to run. Yeah, guy, I remember uh, five years ago, might have been six, seven, eight. Now, there was a guy five, six, seven, eight years ago, and you can go look this up, folks. Wired Magazine, Wired Magazine, it's a pretty popular magazine. I've heard of it. So there was a guy who tried to outrun a bunch of tech guys, go off the grid. I don't even think he made it two months. <laughs> I don't, I'm seriously like yeah. he actively tried and put it out there it was a game it was a game for the wired community you right know, to try bunch, to find them a bunch of hackers out there i would have loved to play that or been yeah. smart enough to understand a computer how to make that work what's that phone freaking i'd love to phone freak yeah win contests because you know how to do a computer that'd be great see what scares me about people like that is that they're so into the challenge that you wonder if they might accidentally do something because it's a challenge not because it's a good thing that's what I'm saying, and that's why it's it. The Libra mind, you go back and forth, back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the pros and cons, pros and, pros cons, and cons, good, bad, cons, blah, blah, blah yeah. whatever, you know. And then, and then you, based on your ethics system and your code, mm-hmm. you make an action going your forward. Catholicism okay, so on top of that. Outside of maybe a couple times that I've stolen when I was a kid, you know, just. Um, confession, yeah, okay, and I already confessed to the priest, so we're. Yeah. I'm, I'm. You know, after the urine unclean, story. This is all good, man. Well, right. You know, uh, I've been pretty You are cleansed. (laughs) So here's what I wrote down. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Last week, boy, I must have been, I'm I'm about ready to snap. Okay. Okay. I'm about ready to snap. This is when I know I need to take a day off. (laughs) All right. So here I am at a, what's that? I'm I'm not going to name the coffee establishment, you know, but a lot of stars hang out there and you got to use your bucks to pay. Okay. So I think he's talking about caribou folks. Must be. And I think your wife uh, knows a few people that works at this place, too. And I'm not going to say which city I was in, because I was in three cities last week with meetings. Well, here I am. And you know the way it works nowadays. You got to go put your order in, and then you got to go sit and wait. Well, first you got to wait in line for your order. Mm-hmm. And then you put your order in. Then you got to go stand in line and wait. And then you get to see a bunch of people walk in, grab orders, didn't wait in line, you know, all these order ahead mm-hmm. phone app people. Yep. Then you kind of like, okay, who's this guy? Well, then you get the people who order food. Oh, yeah. And for some reason, the food gets done before the beverage 99% of the time. Okay. Okay. I don't know why this bothered me. This is when I know I need a vacation. So here, the food prep? Come on, Here go I on. am. Here okay. I am. I'm standing, okay. and there's this woman ahead of me. 
Nothing wrong with a woman. She's just being a normal woman. This is my problem, and this is how I know it. Just standing there in her brown sack with what I can presume is a muffin in there. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a scone, but it's a muffin. Picking it. Just picking it and eating it. And I don't know why, but that was bothering the heck out of me. I'm just watching her going... I, I, what else would you do? Would you take it out and take a bite of it? Would you? I, you know, I, I was trying to figure out all the different ways that you right. could eat that muffin, <laughs> but for some reason, picking it out like a little crane game at the bowling alley—that was like just, nails on a chalkboard for nails you, on wasn't a chalkboard it, man? Yeah. Me, man. And You're like, it. don't peck at it. Eat, just eat it. And then the next day, if this isn't worse, the next day I meet somebody uh, out for coffee, and we were at a Denny's. Well, in North Dakota, they don't have a mask ban anymore, so you can go to a restaurant, no problem now, right? And so... Um, you can lick the tables again. Woohoo! We're, we're sitting there, and I look over, and i tell you what, I don't know what it is, but sometimes things just bother me, and there's this person over there, and I swear, they, they look like a pelican eating eggs. It was like a pelican eating fish the way they were eating eggs. Yeah, and that's, I'm, that's a vivid image. And it really they, is. They were not even using their napkin, using their sleeve... One woman used her purse. I mean, what is going on here? Are we are we raised in a barn? I mean, I realize I'm not the most cultural. Yeah. And I and I was not born with a silver spoon, okay? Yeah. But well, for crying out loud, people, where's our manners? I was reading this this theory <laughs> about de evolution. And if you live in a society long enough that takes away most of the social pressures and uh, creates a, an environment where you can mostly be at ease or at least have comfort over yeah. a long period of time, is that eventually you start breeding out the need for higher intelligence. Well, the whole movie, Idiocracy, is based on the fact that subsidies uh, take care of the weak and therefore the uh, powerful, smart do not evolve. Mm -hmm. So you spend all your intelligence and your power satisfying the weak, and you can't even figure out how to take care of garbage at the end. Who decides who's weak, though? I mean, I totally see your point, but it's like that, that's where it gets scary for me is it's like, because that's the perspective. You know who of, decides who's weak? People who don't want to look in the mirror and self-reflect. That's yeah. who decides who's weak. I'm yep. being totally serious. Totally. If you take a look at who most people are that cause problems, there are people who have got so many flipping problems in their life. Mm -hmm. They should be concerned how to fix their own house before they start telling other people how to fix theirs. Right. What was the saying growing up? Or my grandma used to say, uh, stones in a glass house, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, nowadays we live in a society where it's almost like, if you remember from The Simpsons, you remember Steam Tams? Mr. Kettle, meet Mr. Black. Exactly. Now start calling each other pot and kettle. <laughs> I mean, right? It's like the kettle what? calling the pot black. We've entered into this phase where... Can you even say that anymore? You basically just lie. You can just lie. And if somebody says you're lying, you can just turn around and basically your argument is prove I'm not... Prove it's not true. Right? Prove the negative. Right. So uh, the incentive there, that's why I mentioned the Simpsons with steamed hands with, with uh, Skinner and uh, Chalmers is that's this constant escalation of lies back and forth. And both sides basically agree to it. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, it's a game. It's a it's, dance. Yeah, but it's, it's right. almost like it, to avoid any actual have to talk about things. Right. You know? So, yeah, that's where we are right now, man. Sad. But that, it's, it's played out every day in pop culture. Mm -hmm. you, in any one of our favorite shows. 
talk about the office, mm-hmm. talk about Parks and Rec. It all started with Three's Company in my life. That's when all the conventions the, out the window, the, baby. The state sponsored, pop cultured sponsored. As long as your lies are humorous, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Whatever works, you know. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe it's because we've grown up in a society where you know our entertainment is fiction. That's what I'm saying. People, people actually they channel that without mm-hmm. even knowing it. Yeah. They just start. They get caught up in the game, and pretty soon they, they, they it's fun for them yeah. until it's too late, and then they realize, oh. Well, this Oops. is where, it's kind of like how they call war theater. You know, it's it's really weird how we started getting more into those types of uh, they call it the game. You know, yeah. business, the game. Yeah, and, yeah, and and more militarized, lines. aggressive terms for the same things. Right, I got one more that I wrote down last week that I just about. It was one of those things where, like I said, it's when I know it's me. Mm-hmm. I know it's me, not other people. That's why I keep my Libra mouth shut, and I leave, go home deal with whatever well, you didn't cause a scene you, you handled it well man so here was this guy walk you know it's one of these brahma bull guys mm-hmm. you know where it's part grizzly adams part brahma bull <laughs> and so you when when you're in like a kind of a wide open space area you know every 10 15 feet there's these like load-bearing supporting poles mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about okay like yeah. just one single pole Right. It might be square, mm-hmm. like like a four by four, or more more like a six by six. Yep. Or there's circular a lot of times mm-hmm. in some of the older buildings. Well, this was one of those square ones, right? But it was like uh, wood. One yeah, of those. just a wood post. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was more like an eight by eight type of a thing. It was a thicker one, right? Mm-hmm. Like a railroad tie size. Okay. And here's this Brahma bull guy, right? He just starts scratching and itching. Right up against this foundation load-bearing supporting pole. Mm-hmm. Was he a dog? No, just grizzly bear of a man. Uh-huh. You know, and I'm thinking, and I've seen this hundreds of times before. But for some reason, on that particular day, it I went, bugged you, huh? Oh, I gotta get out of here. Oh man, like that was just too much. <laughs> like this big dude, he's gonna probably this whole place is gonna collapse now. <laughs> you know, just the, the, the negativity oh, was just man. too much. You so know, you and, were worried this on a structural level. You're yeah, like, that's okay. what I mean. When yeah. my Libra mind starts skipping on the negative side, yeah, I know it's time to refresh. I know it's time because it, you, your mind's like a record sometimes, and it starts skipping and see. Skipping now I'm gonna have to look in because so. I've never paid attention to that. I'm a Leo, I think, or I'm on the cusp, Leo Virgo. I have no idea what any of that means well that's what we got i gotta i gotta take off i'm getting texts here i'm supposed to call into a place so we gotta run folks that is our tuesday show from the future oh boy we'll be back tomorrow we'll see you then i'm doing all right i'm doing okay i'm here for the moment you know and then i'm on my way Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws, all-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs, USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z.com.
The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Danny Skiff with Specialized D. Sanders. Thank you for joining the program here today. It's a Keep America Beautiful Month. And the Crude Life is honoring and celebrating those Companies and individuals that are out there keeping America clean and beautiful and the environment and the whole deal. And, of course, the supply chain in the oil and gas industry is a great place to go find examples of how we're keeping America beautiful. And who would have thought? Well, I guess some would have thought that, you know, the frac sand industry. Look at that. And so we got Danny Skiff, Despecialized Sanders Oh, excuse me there for a second. Specialized Desander USA. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. That's what happens when it's early in the morning. Sometimes you don't have enough coffee and you start jumbling things around and you're wearing, especially nowadays when we're all wearing like five hats at once and it seems to be, so I apologize. But uh, let's talk a little bit about how your company is out there keeping America beautiful and uh, cleaning up and making it more efficient for energy companies yes sir so the the goal for all oil and gas you know facilities is to have zero fugitive emissions and fugitive emissions are gases and vapors that are accidentally released in the atmosphere from a pressurized containment like a vessel Um, it's not possible to have zero fugitive emissions yet but you can reduce unnecessary fugitive emissions with planning and correct equipment selection and that's kind of where we come in so our vessels are designed to catch sand and remove it from the well stream as it comes out of the well and prevent all the damage downstream that that causes. Um, we are able to do that and reduce fugitive emissions by a very large percent. So what's different about our vessels and the way they work is we don't have to blow the vessel down to see how much sand is in it like any other uh, sand-catching vessel. Uh, other sand separators... You blow it down, they usually start with once an hour and then uh, go down to as much as once every 10 minutes around the clock. Uh, And there's a lot of fugitive emissions created by that because you're blowing that vessel down. Um, We have a case study that we've recently done. Uh, We had a new new client contact us, unable to control the sand with the cyclonic sand separators that they had on location. 
Um, they had been out on slow back for three to four weeks and were unable to control the sand despite blowing those uh, cyclonics down um, as, as often as every 10 minutes. So we brought out vessels. We replaced two cyclonics per well with one desander per well. And instead of being blown down every 10 minutes or even every hour, um, ours ended up only needing to be blown down every two or three days. So I talked to our engineering manager and asked if he could help me calculate the emissions reductions uh, when he had time. And he got back with me, and uh, we did a case study with the client to see exactly how much we had reduced their fugitive emissions. So uh, 40 day, 46 days in was when we did the calculations. And we were comparing two, cyclonic, two cyclonic sand separators being blown down once an hour for the purpose of the equation. Now, it was actually blown down three to four times as many times as that a day, um, but we went conservative with just once an hour. Um, with the desanders, um, we only were dumping them when they needed to be dumped. So we have a scale system that works well in our desanders. We have laminar flow, which is conducing to weighing the vessel with the well flowing through it. Uh, other types of sand separators are vertical. They have a small footprint, um, also a lot of turbulence, and so it's impossible to weigh the vessel accurately while the well's flowing through it. But we can determine how much sand is actually in the vessel and only blow it down and empty it when it needs to be done. So for the, the 46 days that we calculated on, the first 46 days we were out on location, with the cyclonic sand separators, they would have been blown down and estimated 13,248 times. That, again, was once an hour when they were actually being blown down much more often than that. The estimated total emissions, methane emissions, was 1.927 million surface cubic feet. So almost 2 million surface cubic feet of emissions. We had the actual number of cleanouts for that time frame with our vessels, which was 115 cleanouts. And so the emissions total for ours was 42,858 surface cubic feet. So we reduced the emissions from 1.9 million to 42,000, which was an, a reduction of 1.884 million surface cubic feet of methane emissions or 97.8% reduction. And caught all the sand, made the customer happy with that. They weren't really focusing on reducing emissions at that point. They were just trying to control the sand that was coming out. Wanted to ask you about the shape of the sand. One of the more interesting little factoids I've learned over the last 10 years is that the spherical nature, I guess, is probably the way to describe it. The more it's shaped like a sphere, the better it is, or the more it's used, or I, I can't, I, I don't know the specifics behind it, but I just know the generalities that there are different shapes that are better for fracking, uh, horizontal uh, drilling than, than others. And of course, you've got transportation uh, costs that, that come into play as well up in Wisconsin and Minnesota, uh, sand comes from, and then you've got sand down in the uh, 
southwest. So it's it's different how the different shapes and geographies and all that play into sand. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how that uh, impacts what you're talking about, and uh, does the sphere does this you know the sphere shaped? How does that play into this? Okay, so the the better sand, the more expensive sand, and the sand that has to be moved from further away to the Permian Basin here is rounder, more spherical. Um, the local sand in that size, and we're talking about 100 mesh sand most often, which is uh, 149 microns, very, very tiny particles. The less spherical it is, the more corners or edges there are to break up and the more ultra-fine particles there are created during the fracking process. So it makes it harder to catch. It, uh, we do pretty well catching 100 mesh sand. We're going to catch 99% of it. Um, a lot of other types of vessels struggle with it, and it's really those fine particles created from less expensive sand being used in the frack that causes a lot of problems for the operators. So getting back to keeping America beautiful, cleaning up the planet, demonstrating how the oil and gas industry is, in my opinion, the leader in the environmental innovation movement. Wanted to ask you about that word, fugitive emissions. This is the first time I've heard that word, actually. And I'm not familiar with that word. Are you uh, capable of giving a more, I guess, uh, advanced description of the word fugitive emission? Because I, I honestly, that's a, this is the first time I've heard that word. So the fugitive emissions are when you vent a vessel that's under pressure and, and they calculate it in surface cubic feet. And of course that changes with the amount of pressure that's in the vessel. I think for this purpose, they had calculated at 5,000 uh, PSI. So surface um, cubic feet of methane emissions from blowing down a vessel. So if you're going to do any work on a vessel or dump the sand out of a vessel that's designed to create, you know, to catch sand, um, when you blow it down to a safe pressure to zero, there's a lot of gases that are uh, just vented to the atmosphere. This is really interesting because obviously I've known what fugitive emissions are, but I, I think this this may be the first time if I if I've heard it before I haven't retained it and. The word fugitive, of course, right away, I'm thinking about the uh, Harrison Ford movie right. and, and putting two and two together like, oh, these are emissions that escape. And uh, for me, I go back to the Davis refinery with that Meridian Energy Group has been um, building now for, it seems like, I don't know, five, six years going through the court battles and the state permits and a number of different things. But we've interviewed all kinds of uh, engineers and uh architects and just uh, environmental uh, individuals, and they were talking about the different bends of the pipes and how all the different ways that we don't think about that reduce emissions. And fugitive emissions were what they were talking about, really, at the end of the day. That's interesting. Yes. So, yeah. Anyway. They're under pressure, so when they come out of the vessel, they expand. And, you know, there's, there's not any way to have a pressurized vessel and, and uh, empty some of the contents out without releasing some emissions. And so the goal is to reduce the number of times you have to blow it down. 
And so that's, that's kind of where our scale system comes in. That's its main purpose is to let you know when the sand in the vessel needs to be uh, removed. And so when we get up to a certain capacity, um, we want to remove it before we get too full and have a chance of carrying over any sand, reducing our efficiency. Um, there's just not another system on any other sand separator that lets you know how much sand is in the vessel. You have to blow it down and dump it to sea. And then with those type of vessels, if they carry over some sand, they just increase the number of blowdowns and dumps and keep dumping it until they're not carrying over sand anymore. I have seen them uh, emptied as often as every five minutes, 24 hours a day on a flowback to try to control the sand. This operator that we did the case study with out here, this was out in uh, the state line area uh, west of Orla, Texas, a ways. And the superintendent there told me that they had been blowing them down every 10 to 15 minutes to try to control the sand. And with our vessels there just replacing them, we replaced two cyclonic sand separators with one of our desanders and went from them blowing two vessels down every 10 to 15 minutes to us having one vessel blown down every two to three days. So that's where the significant reduction in uh, fugitive methane emissions comes from. You know, I grew up in the agriculture world. So, of course, when you start talking about this, first thing I think of is dust. And the way that, uh, you know, the, the farmers would have to bring their cattle in if it got too dusty because it would kill them. I mean, just from a micronic level, that dust would get in their lungs and, and et cetera. I mean, dust storms. And so that's uh, kind of what made me think of this is that, um, you know, by, by reducing the amount of uh, uh, dust, essentially, and by reducing the amount of uh Fugitive emissions, boy, you really are cutting back on quite a bit. Yes, sir. And so our vessel is going to catch the sand uh, as efficiently or more efficiently than any other vessel. It's going to do it with a very low differential pressure, which is good for production. And you're going to have this big benefit of reducing fugitive emissions by over 95%. Well, and that's great, you know. I mean, and I'm sure you got some studies which we talked about to back it up, and and everything like that. And and hopefully, some people will reach out to you so you can able able to show them. But I think the other part they want to know about too is that transparency, that that governance part. You know, we're talking about ESG, environmental social governance, and we kind of talked about the first two already. But the last part, you know, that transparency and governance part. I would imagine that the world of uh, health, safety, and, you know, we talked about environment, but health, safety, and environment, I believe, is what the government kind of lumps together into one little oversight area. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how that plays into this. Does it at all? I mean, are you guys in communication or over, you know, follow that side of uh, the transparency and governance side of, uh, I guess, the new business in oil and gas? Well, it is becoming more of a focus. Um, you can look at social media and most of the large oil producers, that's what most of their social media is about, is how they're um, trying to better their practices to benefit the environment, you know, how they're reducing emissions. Um, there, you know, there's a increased focus on emissions and uh, drilling on federal lands, you know, the the way things are currently, it's they're they're slowing down the permit process and everything, and that is going to be a much larger part of it moving forward. Is 
um, showing that you're reducing emissions on the federal lands. A lot of the lands that are in the Permian, especially in New Mexico, are on federal lands. A lot of the um, oil and gas leases there are on federal lands. A little different from Texas, where most of it is on private ranches. So there is an increasing focus on reducing emissions. Um, talking about it with operations engineers and, and completions engineers and everything, they're aware of it. They're starting to focus on it. It is not yet a giant part of their decision-making. You know, we still have to have all the other benefits of our vessel and, and compete with uh, other types of sand separators. It's not just, uh, you know, hey, we'll reduce your emissions by 95%, and they say, great, come on out. Um, it's not a giant piece of their decision-making yet, but it is increasing as that, and the, and most of them acknowledge that that's getting to be a bigger part of their uh, planning and decision-making. What's the message for 2021 that you want people to know? I mean, we're, geez, for a third, over a third of the way through already. So uh, talk to me about what you guys' direction are going now that we're a quarter way through and what you want operators to know and uh, what you guys are focused on. So we have gained some new operators, and, you know, they call us and, and give us an opportunity for one thing, like this operator I was talking about where we did this case study, it was because they were unable to control the sand with the technology they were using. So that was really the big question. Can you control the sand? So on a, a six-well pad, they gave me two wells and said, show us if you can control the sand. We controlled it. They called three days later and said, how soon can we get desanders for the rest of these wells? And now moving forward, they plan to utilize us uh, on all their wells. Um, the environmental aspect of that, they do like. It is important to them, but that was not the decision-making part that brought us out there. It was because we could catch all the sand and, and nothing else they had tried could. Um, as far as me selling this product to completions engineers, operations engineers, and everybody, um, I am getting more interest in that part of it. We still have to prove that we can catch all the sand. We still have to prove that we can provide good data. That's another benefit of the, uh, the scale system that we have is we can give them really accurate data on how much sand their well is actually producing. And they can use that information to know when to release personnel or equipment, other personnel or equipment on the pad. So they look at all of that. They look at the cost of ours. Obviously, ours isn't the least expensive. It's not the most expensive either. But this other piece of it that nobody else can really uh, talk about and claim the emissions reduction aspect of it is really significant when you look at the amount that we're reducing it. How can people contact you, get in touch, or find out more information? Our website is dsanders.com. Uh, my email address is dskiff at dsanders.com. My phone number is 432-878-1227. We have a shop in Midland. Uh, we're also operating in the Northeast, Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, West Texas, New Mexico, South Texas, the Rockies. Um, if you get on our website, you can get contact information for your basin. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Yeah.
Jason Space. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. I'm Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Mike Renfrow from Blue Boat Subsea, who talks about transitioning into the wind energy after 29 years in oil and gas. His transition is not due to interest, rather the managed marketplace that now exists in the energy industry. This is Mike Renfrow. In wind energy, is it these global oil and gas companies, or is it, you know... To some extent, yes. Shell and BP are very active in the renewables. Although there's other stuff, you know, there's solar, there's wave power, there's there's all this stuff under consideration. Oh, nuclear. Nuclear. Um... Shell and BP are very active in the U.S. East Coast wind market. But what's interesting is there's only one U.S. company involved in the Atlantic offshore wind industry, that being Dominion Energy. They're based out of New Orleans. Now, there are a lot of operators out of Norway, Holland, the U.K. You've got Orsted, which is a Dutch company. You have uh, Equinor, which is a Norwegian company, formerly Statoil. Boy, this is interesting. You have, um, gosh, there's EDF out of Spain. Of course, of course Shell is Royal Dutch Shell. I mean, they're they're out of Holland. And then you've got um, you've got Avangrid, which is a partnership, and I can never keep these straight. The partnership ones. Right now, there are five producing windmills off of the U.S. coast. And those are on Rhode Island, Rhode Island, off of Block Island. Now, there are some exploratory ones 
I think there's some off of Virginia. There's some floaters off of the California coast. But those are used primarily for research and development for what the what the true wind potential is. To listen to the full-length interview with Mike Renfrow, president of Blue Boat Subsea, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember... Energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, The grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. uh, And and there's- It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't, I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Hector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes, or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that, that 
crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 the, you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half of the lodge went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generators, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on, a, on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. Well, I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. <laughs> 